five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglash for the WDMA. We're talking about the Milwaukee Bucks today. Let's light the, Let's light the Christmas tree. That other one turns on itself. It's really fantastic. Turns on just right at the right time. And I think, oh, maybe it won't, but it did. So anyway, now we got a sporty looking office. And let's go over to Tom Fishburne. Tip creep, tip in tip inflation and tip fatigue. Okay, and so I always, because I'm mathematically inclined, I hope I didn't just highlight everything in the whole world, no. Um, I always go with a 15% tip. That hasn't always worked out. You know, I was in a cab in Toronto early in my consulting career, and I asked the driver where he was from, and uh, he said, Persia. And I said, wow, you don't hear Persia too often, so you're Iranian, eh? And he said, you're like the only person who's ever gotten that figured out or said they did. Uh, you know, so I thought I was a really wonderful world traveler. Um, and then I gave him a 15% tip, but I gave it to him in American dollars when there was a pretty good difference between the Canadian and the U.S. dollar exchange rate. So I really gave him about a 25% tip, I think. Uh, anyway, so I obviously wasn't as, as seasoned a world traveler as I thought I was. Um, but in general, that's what I've always stuck with. My wife, um, especially when my daughters were doing some waitressing and stuff, um, said that you should move it up to 20, which is a little mathematically easier to calculate. Um, here's Tom Fishburne's thing. Add a tip, 15, okay, 20, good, 25, great. No tip, silently judge me and may spit on in my order. I don't know. That doesn't. That does sound a little bit over the top to me. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's ever done that. But um, asking for the tip is increasingly part of the customer experience, and one of the things you should think about. Um, and one of the ways I look at it is, you know, if I'm doing takeout, I don't put a tip on it. If I'm driving there, and if if someone delivers it, eh, I put a tip on it. Somebody's involved. Um, you know, if I sit down at a, a restaurant and get service well of course then we have a tip but I don't always tip uh, like I said I don't always tip when I when I go pick it up myself <laughs> there seems to be some differential between the food and the service uh, even though it's combined for Tom Fishburn I'm a little nipped I'm a little chilled today <laughs> it was it was balmy 35 degrees on the way in but I didn't have much time to recuperate and I'm going to get a blood test, uh, just routine once a year thing. But I'm not supposed to have the coffee, so I'm, I can't even warm up around the cup. I could maybe pour myself a cup just to warm my hands. But anyway, um, particularly because of ubiquitous touchscreens, uh, the tipping process has crept into just about every transaction, from takeout service to frozen yogurt, from takeout to self-service frozen yogurt to propane refills to buying a T-shirt at a concert? No, uh, you're going to have to spit on my T-shirt, I think. So uh, service tips of 15 to 30% are commonly requested before service or even when there's no service at all. That's fine. Uh, home rest 
even ask for a tip during online shopping, which one bewildered customer shared on a, a TikTok video that went viral a few months ago. And apparently this is it right here. I could probably click it and see it. I may do that after the show. Um, some of this tip creep relates to the great pandemic tipping boom of 2020, when tipping exploded and expanded as an easy way to help the frontline service workers, which I think was appropriate. Plus, since the government, and I will put the blame on the government, uh, issued mandates, not laws, but with penalties. In our case, the state of Wisconsin had a 30-day jail, possible jail time for violating the pandemic man mandates, which I did, but I didn't know about the 30 days until they'd rescinded it as being unconstitutional. You can't just mandate, <laughs> mandate <laughs> rules that have jail time. That isn't part of our constitution, sorry. Uh, but, you know, it could have been a, a a hard deal. My son was was a, a important worker, whatever they called those, and so he was working in Milwaukee every day and come bringing home who knows what kind of germs and malaise. Uh, so I went and hid out in my office where there was no one around. There still really isn't anybody around. We, they've all gone to home to uh, to telecommuting. Um, but anyway, so anchoring. Uh, a Harvard report that, and again, there's a link in, in the uh, in the show notes, which are available every day after the show. Anchoring customers at higher default tipping amounts generally increased overall tipping. Here's the part I don't quite understand, but also caused whiplash effects from negative downstream effects and feelings. Okay, so I don't feel good about the 30%. So here's an example. Let's say that's what the touch screen says. And, uh, you know... I would hit this one and that'd be fine and we'd all be set. But um, but if you put a 30% up here, you put, and, and some do, I've seen this, uh, it'll go 20, 15, 20, 25, 30, and there is no 15, in which case I get mad and maybe I might even hit that button. If you don't give me the right button, now I'm doing the work for you. Sorry, that's the way I feel. I can understand that, okay? So uh, persuasion, you know, and, and what they mean by persuasion is the way the buttons are, the buttons are arranged and labeled. Touchscreens tend to emphasize the buttons to give big tips and de-emphasize the buttons to give no tips at all. I'm getting better at that. <laughs> Spam risk. Spam risk calls me all the time. <laughs> Tom, you should do a, you should do a uh, cartoon on spam risk calling from all different numbers all around the country. Some people will be so flustered they might end up hitting the most prominent button, not because they want to. Now, let's suppose you made this really a big button and this, like, not even, you couldn't even find the button. So it was there, but it was, you know, behind it, behind an image or something. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and made this one medium and this one tiny and this one, like, microscopic. Okay, so that's what they're talking about. Um, so a, a consumer has made a choice, but it feels like they've been forced. Manipulation, okay? And then Tom concludes with a study from Play USA found that 17% of Americans are tipping less due to inflation. And I did 
some background research looking for articles on that and i and there's plenty of articles but they're from all different interestingly they were from all different periods of time uh there were some from last fall 2021 when inflation wasn't hardly even talked about um in comparative in comparative sense to now um and and june was a big was a big time for inflation articles about tipping and then uh thanksgiving was another big one uh about inflation everything is ultimately part of the customer experience and it's important to keep that in mind it's important to place orders and test orders and have people go into your store and restaurant and see what it's like uh here's some more cartoons i placed an order with your website and it still hasn't shipped it could be a problem with our web team that's what this guy's typing and says could be a problem with our web team our technical team our fulfillment team our inventory team our payment team but i can't access their system so there's no way to tell ticket 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 tick, aren't you part of the same team no i'm only in charge of excellent customer service and this is probably more telling than the article above i would say um and that's the way you have to think about it right okay i ran across this in a financial newsletter yesterday and it was interesting because i started working as a marketing consultant in 1981 and i didn't realize how depressing it was at the time <laughs> now i got laid off in 1981 and that was so i remember that being a very downtime in business and um i was working in industrial instrumentation and uh and so we sold stuff to manufacturers we sold gauges and switches and fittings specialized fittings to manufacturers and manufacturing was taking a nosedive uh in the 1980s and maybe that was the beginning of the exporting of all of our jobs but whatever it impacted us and so i left my manufacturing related job and uh and went into marketing consulting and i didn't know there was such a thing <laughs> to be honest you know i was pretty well educated and i was pretty handy and uh you know used to solving problems and it turned out i had a real knack for it and uh and so this is my career right here consumer sentiment up and down and up and down <laughs> and i was trying to remember you know sort of what happened like right here right there i started my own personal business miglash marketing so that was a real shocker i started it right there 1990 and then it fell off the cliff and i remember going to a new job and leaving a pretty good job um in 1987 and that was and then we that was probably the 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 mini stock market crash but it seemed like a big deal at the time um fortunately not all consumers have stocks but now i come to find as of yesterday <clears throat> that consumer sentiment as tracked by the university of michigan consumer consumer sentiment is at the lowest point it's been lower i think this is when they started tracking it lower than even 1981 when i started as a marketing consultant so i just wanted to say 
you know, in spite of this, we managed to make it go, make a go of it all the way through. And um, I think we'll make a go of it again. And if your sentiment is down in the dumps, <laughs> then uh, you have good reason. You're in good company, but uh, don't let it completely stop your marketing. Uh, Jack Miller said that that in the ravages of inflation, one of the, the key things that ignited growth in his company, uh, I heard him tell this to his employees. It was, a, it was a, I was invited to an internal motivational speech by Jack Miller, who was the founder of Quill Corporation. He said that inflation was going so, so hard. And, and I was working in that industrial company uh, in the late 70s over here. So it was it was over in here and it was bad. And if you watch the if you've watched the movie uh, Miracle, um, which is about the uh, the 1976 hockey team, the Olympic hockey team, I think it's 76. Um, if you watch that, you'll see that there's quite a bit of negative consumer sentiment in there. Uh, and we had really high inflation. I guess it's you know, back to that right now. And, uh, and we used to stomp the product literature. We would have rubber stamps that said all prices increased by 10% or all prices increased by 20% or whatever. Well, Quill, man, well, Quill did a once a year, big catalog, big office supply book. And, and Jack said they were just getting eaten up by the time that they do the next book, the prices had risen you know, above their costs. Uh, uh, I mean, their costs had risen above their price, their selling price or that sort of thing. So they were just making nothing. And so they decided to start mailing smaller books, um, smaller, more like, you know, best of or flyers, more like 48 to 64 page rather than the 300 page ones that they were doing once a year. And they were convinced that they would annoy the customers, that, that people would get mad that they wouldn't like it, and they said it was totally the opposite. That was totally not what happened. What happened was that people started seeing Quill's catalog on a regular basis. Rather than it being on the bookshelf, it was on the customer's desk. And they started thinking of Quill as a regular supplier, as a, as a main office supply supplier, Rather than maybe there's the storefront in their little town where the uh, where the where <laughs> where they ha handed out a big book, but everything was actually shipping from New Jersey, which which I didn't realize at the time in the 70s, but that's the way it, it was in my town. There was an office supply guy, but he had no inventory, and he would always ship it from somewhere else. Mostly, I mean, he had you know had staples and. <laughs> paper clips and pens but beyond a very minimal you know really office supply stuff he didn't have any of the stuff that he had in that catalog he handed out and so quill that launched quill into a massive growth spurt by mailing more often interesting not everything goes the way you expect and i'll probably do an article tomorrow um which is uh, which on which is on tips and strategies for 2023 direct mail um but when I got to the end of the article, I thought, you know, there's been all these recommendations and there isn't the word test anywhere. And I searched for it, therefore, just to make sure I hadn't missed it. <laughs> nope.
not there. Not test, not testing, not, nothing. So give it a try. It may, it may change your life like it did for Jack Miller. Um, but I'm here with you, and I'm, I'm going to continue to be optimistic like I was in 1981, knowing almost nothing about marketing. Uh, my marketing knowledge has dramatically increased, and I expect that it will continue until I drop over. <laughs> so uh, I was going to talk about uh, a great campaign from the Milwaukee Bucks, but I've talked enough. So tomorrow we'll do the uh, three ideas, and we'll do the Milwaukee Bucks award-winning direct mail campaign. Who would have thought? And a regular ad agency did it. And I'm excited about it. I'm excited to tell you about it tomorrow. So have a great day. Merry Christmas. Like and give it a share. Your friends will know you're smart. Bye-bye.